0: Thank you, Matt, for your prayer and for your scripture reading. Uh, this week, we we continue our, our series, the Once and Future King, which focuses on on the life of David, and and we're trying to make connections between David and and the greater David to come, the ultimate anointed one, Jesus Christ. And so far, we we've looked at David's humble beginnings, how he he kind of came out of nowhere and became God's anointed. We looked at David and Goliath squaring off amongst one, against one another. And last week, we we looked at how Saul and Jonathan had to make a decision, had to choose which side are they going to be on. How are they going to respond to God's anointed? And, and this week, as our story continues, things have not gotten any easier or better in the life of David. Uh, He's survived numerous attempts on his life so far, but he isn't any safer. David still faces a lot of uncertainty and danger in his life. And increasingly, he runs the risk of being isolated, of being a man on his own with no one to help him. And in this moment, David needs someone he can trust. He needs a friend, someone he can look to. And it is here that we actually find ourselves with the same need as David. You you probably don't have, or I hope you don't have any political leaders trying to assassinate you. But, But just like David, we all have our own trials in our life. And just like David... We can't manage our lives completely alone, completely isolated by ourselves. We need help. We need authentic friendships. We need a true friend. And, and so today as we look at our story, we're going to focus in, we're going to zone in on friendship. And we're going to look at three points. We're going to look at the need for friendship. We're going to look at the heart of friendship and the end of friendship. The need, the heart in the end. Uh, up to this point in the story, David has been growing in prominence. People are, he's becoming more popular with the people. And King Saul increasingly feels threatened by David, and, and he's desperate to cling on to his throne and power for himself and for his family. And David has survived at least six different assassination attempts up to this point. And, and here in, in our story, but leading up to this, he, he seeks out his friend Jonathan, Saul's own son. And and he comes to Jonathan before our reading today, and he says, Jonathan, why is your dad trying to kill me? Why is King Saul out to get me? And so Jonathan and David devise a plan. There's this feast that's coming up, and and David would be expected to be there, but David won't go. Just Jonathan will. And and at this feast, Jonathan's going to talk to his dad, and he's going to figure out, why is Saul so upset with him? Is Saul still trying to kill David, or have things settled down? Is it safe for David to come back? And so they devise this plan where where Jonathan will find out, and depending how it goes, he's going to shoot off these arrows as a a code message to David, give him a heads up of what to do. And and so woven throughout this passage, and this leads us to our first point, all throughout this story, this chapter, is the need for true friendship. That here, David needs a true friend. And we all need true friendship. Think about things from David's perspective for a moment. I mean, your life was just going on normally, it was good. And then, and then all of a sudden, one day, God's prophet Samuel shows up and he changes everything. You're anointed. And, and what for? You're not exactly quite sure at the time. And, and then there's this war against your old rivals. And, and your king says, I need a man to step up and fight Goliath. And you rise up to the occasion. You, with the Lord's help, fight Goliath and win. You marry his daughter. This is your king, this is your father-in-law, and you, you've done nothing but good towards him. You've done everything he's asked for and more. And what are you going to return? He's trying to kill you. D- David didn't ask for any of this. David doesn't deserve this hardship. And David doesn't understand, why is this going on? Why is this happening to me? And, and, and this moment in his life, David is incredibly vulnerable. Think about this. If the king is out to get you, his army's out to get you. He's willing to try to kill you in your home. You want to go to the pastor's house or a prophet's home? He's willing to try to kill you there. Where can you go to be safe? Who can you trust when all the powerful people in your own country are out to get you? The stakes are high. Earlier in this chapter in verse 3, David himself says, there is only a step between me and death. One wrong move, my life is done. I'm a dead man walking. And so what does David do in this scenario? When the stakes are high, he seeks out his friend. In the moment of his greatest need, in the moment of his deepest confusion, worries, he needs a true friend. And so he seeks out Jonathan. And let's pause here for a second. In many ways, we're we're often tempted to think of David as a great man, and, and he is. But we can be tempted to think he's somehow different from us. But David is really just an ordinary person. That, that goes back to the beginning. He comes from humble, ordinary beginnings. He is a regular guy. He is not a, a rugged individualist, I'm going to do it on my own. And he doesn't want to do it on his own. No, in the greatest trial of his life, he needs a dear friend. And, and in this way, David is a good representative of us all. We are normal people. Most of us come from ordinary backgrounds, not that different from David. And we are just like him. We need friendship because there will be things that come into our life that overwhelm us, surprise us, are too much for us. And we need people around us who can help us, bear the load, who we can go to and know that they care about us. Some of us also might be tempted to think, you know, well, that's ordinary people, but does everyone really need friendship? you know there's people maybe you know maybe you think you're one of these people who are they're just they're so gifted they're so strong they're so charismatic i mean they just seem to do everything by themselves they don't really need friends do they they can do it on their own can't they well think about the best of humanity who who would be a better human who is better than jesus i mean jesus is is truly god he is truly human but as a real human as a genuine man did jesus need friendship in his humanity. Well, well, think about this. Jesus calls his disciples in the New Testament. He chose them. But as the months go by and the years go by, they become deep friends. What, What did Jesus say in the Last Supper in the Gospel of John? He's sitting with these men, and he says, I no longer call you servants, because a servant doesn't know his master's will. Instead, I call you my friends. The disciples become Jesus's friends. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before Jesus will die on the cross, the greatest, the most trying night of his life, what does he do? He wants to be around his friends. He says to his friends, stay here a while while I go over there and pray. And he takes Peter, John, and James. See, don't you see? In his moment of greatest need, in the greatest trial of his life, what does Jesus do? He goes to his friends. In his humanity, Jesus needed friends, just like David, and just like we do. Because think about this, if if David as an ordinary person needs friends, and as Jesus as as the, the greatest human ever needs friends, do you think it's reasonable to conclude we, you and I, that we need genuine friendship, that we can't do it alone, that we need people in our lives that we won't make it if all we have is shallow and superficial relationships with people? And this is, this is true when, when times are good, even when things are going well, we still need deep friendships. But it's especially true when times are tough, when there are trials, when pain and suffering comes into our life. We need friends because there's so much that we just can't bear alone. Imagine just, there are many examples we could touch on, but imagine just one. Tomorrow's Monday, you go into to work, you're going to your business, and you find out you're fired. No severance, no reference, you're done. Your business bankrupt. And, and you're, you're totally caught off guard. You did not see this coming. And you, you get in the car, and then all of a sudden, your mind just starts racing with all sorts of thoughts. How am I going to pay for rent? What's this going to do to my mortgage payments? How can I, okay, where, who can I network? How can I get another job? Is another job going to be as, as well paying? What about benefits? How am I going to tell my family? What are they going to think of me? My friends, what are they going to think of me? All, all, these, all these worries start coming through our mind. And what do we need in that moment? What you don't need is, you know what? I need to scroll through Facebook for a while. I just need to look on Instagram, see those vacation photos, those lunches, those workout photos. No, we don't need that. You don't need, I need to go to the pub. I need to drink. I need some other drug. You don't need to escape through Netflix. Let's just zone out, not think about it for the evening. No, in that moment, what you really need is a friend, our friends. Why? Because we're not self-sufficient. Because we're not self-sustaining. It doesn't matter if you're an introverted person, or extrovert, young or old, married or not, rich or poor. We were designed to have friendship. This goes all the way back to Genesis. We were, not, we were not created to be alone. We are creatures created by God, and God created us. Our purpose in our design, we're meant to have relationships with other people. In Genesis, God says it's not good for man to be alone. And we often associate that with the gift of marriage. And that's a good thing. That makes sense. We should. But not, it's not just the gift of marriage. God designed, he gave us friendships so that we would have those close, intimate relationships with other people to help us, to help sustain us, to encourage us. And so in that moment, say you lost your job, we what you, what you look at what you don't need. Well, what do you need to do? What ought you to do? And out a friend, maybe it's calling them up and saying, hey, do you have a moment? I really just need to talk right now. I am going through so much. Now, I don't even know what to say, but can I just come over for a while? to spend some time with you? Or, or maybe when you see your friend in distress, you take the initiative and you say, hey, do you want to come over? Can I come over to you? And we talk. It sounds very ordinary. nothing glamorous necessarily about it but it is so crucial it is so important in those trying moments we need the presence of other people we need the presence of friends and so god is showing us here through david and and jonathan the story today that when times are tough and in all times we need friendship we need a true friend who we can seek out and this leads us to our second point the heart of friendship it's true that we all we all need friendship but what really is friendship what is the heart of friendship you see friendship is not in the number of friends you can add on facebook or followers you can attract on tiktok or instagram but rather david and jonathan show us something altogether different here as we look at their friendship especially in this story, we see that it's, it's rooted in loyalty in, in faithfulness D- david and jonathan are truly dedicated to each other They trust one another. There's this bond between them. I mentioned last week, earlier in chapter 18, they actually made a covenant together. That is like this deeply personal promise to one another or this personal contract. In their friendship, they're bound to one another. Even when things get tough. Even when there is pressure on their friendship, they're called to be true to one another. And so so think about this, in our story today, Jonathan here's having dinner with his his father and some of his father's men, so he's with King Saul. And I think it's fair to argue, it's fair to say, observe, it's rather tense, dinner. I've never experienced a dinner like this. I mean, you have yelling and, and arguing, that's, maybe I think we've all experienced that. But spear throwing? Your father throwing a spear at you? It's tense. Jonathan is under immense pressure from his family. Turn on David. Think of your future, Jonathan. How can you shame your mother? How can you shame your father? How can you do this? And probably, we're not told, but probably within Jonathan, he is a regular guy. There must be those temptations creeping up. Wouldn't it be nice for me to be king? Why can't I have the throne? I mean, yes, I like my friend. I love my friend. But I've got to think of myself. I'm not going to be good, any good to anyone else if I don't take care of myself. And so this is this pressure to turn on David. But you see, even in adversity, even under pressure, friendship remains loyal. Because, because friendship is rooted in faithfulness or covenant and not primarily rooted in feelings. Friendship is more stable. It's steady. It does not turn on a dime when things get tough. It does not betray. It does not turn on each other for advancement or just to when to discard a friend when they're no longer useful to us. And so, kids... And you're not in school anymore. I don't think you're in any school anymore. But maybe think back to the school year or, or coming in September. You're on the playground. And then you hear other kids and, and they start ripping into your friend. He's such a loser. She's so pathetic. What, what does a true friend do in that moment? A true friend doesn't jump in. No, a, a true friend stands up for your friend. You say, well, no, you don't know what you're talking about. They're actually great. They're amazing. And you know what? You should just zip it. Or when you're at school and and the friends start snickering to each other and and, and gossiping, you know, he's still, I heard he still wets the bed. (laughs) Did you hear? He said he loves his mom. (laughs) True friends don't join in on the gossip. True friends don't use their friend for a cheap laugh, to look cool. No, true friends stand up for each other even when it's not cool, even when it might be scary or it might cost us. That's what this loyalty, this faithfulness means. St. Augustine from, from the early church has this great line. He says, after all, if my friend was my friend when he was rich, but not my friend when he's poor, then it wasn't him that was my friend, but his money. What Augustine means is that we're only friends with people because they offer us something in return. You know, they might take it into the cool kids. You know, if I'm friends with her, I bet you I can get that promotion. He has got a great investment fund. I want to be his friend. I want to get the inside scoop. Then we're never, just, we're never real friends. We're users. We're using friendship. We're perverting it, and it becomes utilitarian and transactional. But true friendship remains loyal. It says, through thick and thin, I am sticking with you. I am on your side. You can trust me. But more than just that, true friendship is rooted in love. It's a loving covenant. Just before our our reading in verse 17 today, it says, And Jonathan had David reaffirm his oath out of love for him, because he loved him as he loved himself. Both Jonathan and David have a genuine concern, a real concern for the well-being of each other. They're not not jealous with each other. They're not harsh towards each other. They actually honor and and defend the person when they're not around. They they trust. They hope. This loving one another as yourself actually brings to mind the words, the famous words from 1 Corinthians 13 when the Apostle Paul writes, love is patient. Love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And We often associate those verses with marriage, and that's a good thing, I'm not knocking that but those verses equally apply to friendship. That is the, the type of love that should permeate through our friendships, that was God designed our friendships to show, to live by. And so combined with this, this loyalty and this love, true friendship also shares in, in something else, something that, that unites these two people on a deeper level. Think about some of your own friendships for a moment. All all of our friends, um, in all of our friendships, do we not share in something that we we enjoy together, we have in common? And and most of us on one level, maybe a first level, you know, it's often a hobby, a similar interest. So maybe you love fishing, you're an an outdoorsman or an outdoorswoman. You love a particular kind of music, you like reading, movies, sports. You know, there are people, I'm not judging, it's just a mystery to me, there are people who can bond over golf. People will bond over anything. But the deepest friendships, the friendships with the strongest bond, share in something more than just a hobby, than just interest. Those are good, but the deepest friendships share in something greater. They share in a common purpose, something that's beyond ourselves, something that you can, a same aim, a same ultimate desire, this purpose that unites you in this cause. And one example of that is, think of the series Band of Brothers. And if, if you're not familiar with the series, it's this story of, of paratroopers in World War II. And, and they, they're fighting on D-Day, and they fight these battles in France, and Holland, and in Germany. And you have these men from, from different parts of the country, different upbringings, very different personalities, and they are brought together. And they share in a common purpose, a purpose beyond themselves. And they're bound together. It creates, it forges this friendship. They have the same purpose. And in the same purpose, they make tremendous sacrifices for each other. They're loyal to each other. They love one another. It deepens and enriches everything. Well, think about Jonathan and David here. They are both warriors. They're both soldiers. They both love their country. Is that all that they have in common? Or is there something deeper that they share? It's a common purpose. I think it's it's evident thus far that that both men share a love for God, a concern for his kingdom, for God's will. That is the deeper knit between David and Jonathan. That bounds them together. And as, as believers, as Christians, if you think in your own friendships, there are many great hobbies we share with each other. And every friendship's a little bit different in the things we share. And we change. But aren't our deepest friendships, that sweetest bond, is when we can share that bond of faith, with Christ, in Christ, with another believer, where we can enjoy that, where that, and when he is our common shared purpose. And so we see that, that a shared purpose and combined with this love and loyalty, it, it can unite friends in a way that's really hard to describe with words. But that is what true, that is friendship consists of, that is the heart of friendship. And this leads to our, our third and final point, the end of friendship. The end of Friendship. You see, the the friendship of of David and Jonathan should inspire us. I mean, which one of us would not want to be a friend like David or a friend like Jonathan? And which one of us wouldn't want to have a friend like David and Jonathan in our lives? To have a friend who's truly loyal, even when we offer them nothing, even when we've messed up. To To be bonded to each other and have a sincere love for each other, where we can trust each other, where we can be open. Open and honest. We don't have to pretend. We don't have to hide. They know us. We know them. friend where you deeply care for each other. You can't imagine your life without them. Where you're you're both on the same path. You have that same purpose. You click on that deeper level. How how is that possible? What friendship does that point to? Well, it's made possible by a greater friend. For, For both Jonathan and David point towards the greatest and truest friend of all. Jesus Christ. Jesus of Nazareth. You see, Jonathan shows real loyalty towards David in our story here today. He defends David in front of King Saul, in front of his own father. He takes risk at his own life to, to share the news with David, to keep David safe. But also in verse 40, when Matt read, we're told Jonathan gave his weapons to the boy and said, go back to town and take them. Jonathan comes before David, his friend, but also his political rival. Unarmed. Vulnerable. we might say that Jonathan lays down his life in front of David. And David, he bows and, 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 and he embraces Jonathan. More than that, earlier on, David made a promise. It wasn't part of our, our actual scripture reading, but, but David says, when I become king, I will love your family. I will show your family mercy, even though your family are my enemies. They're my political rivals. David says, I will love my enemies By showing the mercy Jonathan. And so where does laying your life down from your friend and loving your enemies meet? They meet on the cross of Christ. You see, Jonathan figuratively laid down his life for David here in our story today. But on the cross, Jesus literally laid down his life for his friends. Jesus fulfilled his own words when he said, Greater love has no one than this, to lay one's life down for one's friends. And on the cross, Jesus loves his enemies, people who were his enemies. You and I showed them mercy so we would become his friends, that through his death and resurrection that we would be united and reconciled to God. As Paul says, the apostle Paul says in Romans 5, you see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, but for perhaps a good person, someone might dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still his enemies, while we were still hostile to him, Christ loved us and died for us. Jesus went to the cross so sinners can be forgiven and redeemed and saved, amen. Amen. Another aspect of that is Jesus went to the cross so that we would be reconciled to God and become friends of God. You see, friendship is a gift from God to be enjoyed here and now. It is a a gift we need, that we all long for if we're honest with ourselves. But all friendship, even the greatest of friendships, they point towards the most supreme friendship of all. Friendship with Jesus, friendship with God. Another line from from St. Augustine, he says, In Christ, friendship achieves a certain permanence, does not change. Friendship is faithful in Christ, in whom it can alone become eternal, attaining happiness. If together we hold these two precepts of love, our friendship will be true and everlasting. It will unite us not only to each other, but to God, to Christ. Augustine means that the friendship we experience here in Christ enables us to be the kind of true friend to others, to be the kind of friend that people think is impossible. We can be a loyal and loving friend because in Christ we're already fully secure. We're already truly happy because we have him. We're we're enabled to love people who don't offer us anything in return because God loved us when we offered him nothing in return. We're able to be open and vulnerable with others because God already knows everything about us, the worst. And yet he loved us. And so we're free to be open with others because the the person who truly matters the most, God, he already knows us. What do we we need to be afraid of? It empowers us to be be more bold and sharing with our friends. And that is one of the, the amazing facets of the gospel. When we know that, when we rest in that, we're free to be these kind of friends that, that the world that people think is impossible, that there aren't really people like that. It enables us to love and to be loyal. It enables us to be friends that, that mirror Jonathan and David here, that mirror the love of Christ. And when we understand this facet of the gospel, when we're, that we're saved by faith, that when we're saved by faith, we become friends of the living God. That, that sweet bond of friendship between Jonathan and David, that, that sweetest friendship that you have with your dearest friend, they all point to that greater union, that greater friendship we now have. And now we get to learn, we get to deepen it through our lives, and ultimately until either he returns or calls us home. And maybe you're here today and you're not yet a believer. Well, then know that if you're looking for a friend, if you're lonely and you've, you've been burned before, You will never find a truer friend, a greater friend than in Jesus. And he pushes away none who would seek him in faith. You may find faults, you will find faults in all your earthly friends. But you will never find a fault in him. There is no one like him. And so friends, when we see that great bond of friendship that we have in Christ, we will be encouraged, we will realize he is our true friend we'll wonder to ourselves what a friend we have in jesus amen let's pray heavenly father great almighty god thank you for your word here today we thank you for keith and marion's testimony lord we thank you for your faithfulness for your greatness that you're the god who answers prayers lord if there's someone here that doesn't know you we pray that you'd work on their heart open their eyes that they may come to faith that they may find a friend in Jesus. Lord, for those of us here who already know you, help us to deepen our friendships. Help us to pursue you together in our friendships. Lord, if we're lonely, bring friends into our lives. Put people on our minds whom we can become friends with, Lord. Teach us this loving, amazing gift of friendship. Help us to value it and treasure it and nurture it to your glory for the good of your church, for the good of Dundas. We pray this In the name of our faithful Savior and friend, Jesus. Amen.